0: Did you know that you can live a life that's even better than the highest rank your company has to offer? My name is Emily Gibson. I'm a master network marketer and a certified life coach. There is more beyond the rank. And if you're willing to go with me, I can show you how. Let's go. How is everybody after their Labor Day weekend? Did you have... A relaxing weekend? Was it hot? (laughs) Is it a heat wave everywhere or just on the West Coast? I'm trying to figure this out. I was talking to my stepmom last week while I was working out and she was telling me about how in California right now, if you use your appliances between the hours of 4 p.m. and 9 p.m., they're charging you extra money. And so some of the California residents are just deciding, that's fine. I'll just be charged extra money. And she said that on the news last week, they came on and they said, listen, if you keep using your appliances between 4 and 9 p.m., we're going to lose power. Do you understand? And so I don't know if that is changing people's behavior, but man, I am just really glad that that is not what we are facing down the barrel of here in Utah. We spent the weekend in our pool with family. My father in law, two weeks ago, received a double lung transplant. He has had fibrosis of the lungs for about two years now. And last year, it started to get really bad. And so they put him on oxygen. At first, he could carry around an oxygen, like electronic oxygen machine in this little black purse looking thing. And it was okay. And then when he was home, he would have this larger at-home oxygen machine that had a really long tube that would, you know, he would just be tethered to around the house, He like hun- 100 feet of tube. And then as the disease progressed over the last year, he has had to be on full oxygen tanks that he has to wheel around everywhere he goes. And so about a month ago, things were getting so, so bad that as a family, everyone decided it was time to finally put him on the lung transplant list. And when you do this, you do it knowing that it's very likely that your loved one is going to die on the transplant list because it's difficult to find a match. And so after two weeks on the lung transplant list, he got a call saying, we have lungs for you. Now, none of us got excited because what they had also told us is that what's most likely going to happen is you're going to get a call. We're going to say, we have lungs for you. And then you're going to come in. We're going to even sometimes put you under anesthesia, bring you into the operating room, open you up, or maybe your body isn't doing well under anesthesia, and then we'll scrap the whole thing. Or we'll open you up. We'll open up the lungs from the donor. And then will decide the lungs aren't good enough or only one lung is viable and you decide before you go under how like if you want to take just one lung or two lungs or whatever, it's very stressful and high pressure, right? And so as a family, he and and him, his, his, his dad, Bill, he had decided that he only wanted to take, he only wanted to do the surgery if both lungs were good. And so about, let's see, it would have been a week ago last Friday or Thursday night. He went in, we all went to bed. He was at the hospital. They were prepping him for surgery. And we woke up at six o'clock in the morning to a text message saying that he was in surgery and that he was doing well. And then about four hours later, we got another text message saying, he's a go. The lungs are a go. And they were flying the lungs in This is where everything starts to get really real, right? Because in this moment, it's when you realize that someone had to die for this to be happening. And you have this immense sense of gratitude and excitement, like Christmas morning excitement, where you've just received the best news you've ever received and you feel so excited. And then just sitting next to you on the couch is this Devastating heartbreak of realizing that there is a family somewhere in the country who has just lost someone that they love dearly, so that you can have this second chance at life, so that your loved one can have the second chance at life. And then you just sit and sort of battle that, you know, you sort of battle it back and forth. And I don't know if you can ever make peace with it, but you just have complete gratitude for it. And so anyway, that has been happening for the last week and a half. He's been in the ICU completely sedated and uh, on paralytic meds for longer than they planned. But finally, on Thursday, they were able to have him be able to wake up and respond and everything is doing really well. And there's still every day, there's still ups and downs, backs and back and forth. We don't share everything um, about it just because it's so touch and go. But anyway, I am just so grateful for modern medicine and everything that it has done for our family over and over and over again. And so I am just so excited to talk with you today about something entirely different. But I wanted to share that with you because it was just one of those things that was such a huge deal in our family's life, you know? So now you know, and I'm so glad that, so grateful for prayer and those of you who have been praying for our family and for those of you that donated to the GoFundMe and the Instagram for his transplant. And I'm so grateful for the family that donated his lungs because two good lungs for a new life. What a blessing. So now what I want to talk to you about today is all about boys versus girls. This one is for the bossy girls. Where are my bossy girls? Raise your hand, ladies where are my bossy girls? How many of you, when you think about how you're bossy, wish that you weren't? I'm going to guess that very few women like being called bossy or like knowing that they're bossy. If you join me for book club this summer, we read a book called Why She Buys and it was to teach you about what you need to know when you are selling to the world's most powerful consumer, which is women. There were so many amazing things that I learned from this book. This is the second time I read it. I read it years ago and then I read it again for book club this summer. And I would say that my very favorite part of the entire book was on page 52, where it talks about how bossy girls get a bad rap. And so I want to talk to you about that today because I was coaching a client last week in my coaching community, and we were talking about this. And we were saying, because most bossy girls will even say to you, oh yeah, I'm bossy, but I just know what everyone needs to be doing, right? I even had a I had someone give me a sign once that said, I'm bossy or or I'm not bossy. I just know what you should be doing. And when she gave it to me, I laughed. But in my heart, I was like, oh, is that what they think of me? Like, that's a bad thing. I don't want anyone to think I'm bossy because when you think about it in our society, being bossy is not a compliment for a woman. And we're going to talk about why that is and how it's all made up. And I'm going to encourage you to do a little bit of curiosity thinking around it so that you can decide what pieces of it you want to keep and which parts of it you're ready to drop. All right. So in this book, it talks about how there is an emphasis on nurturing. And again, this is Why She Buys by Bridget Brennan. It is a book that was written in the early 2000s. So some of it, I was actually surprised at how outdated it was technology-wise, but how much I loved it for that. Because they were talking about how, um, how bloggers, how you should look at at having bloggers talk about your products. And in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, they don't even know, there's not even such thing as an influencer on Instagram yet when this book was written. So it's kind of fun to see how how they talk about all that. Anyway, in this book, it says, an emphasis on nurturing and fairness is the foundation of girls role-playing games. Girls take turns because that's the fair way to play. I'll be mommy first, then it's your turn. One-on-one friendships dominate their lives in a pattern that we will continue throughout adulthood. Little girls tend to have a best friend, and they can often be seen with a cupped hand over their friend's ear, telling each other their secrets. Conversations are the glue that binds their friendship from an early age. Bossy girls are criticized and put in their place by both peers and adults. Young girls are taught that they should always be modest, that showing off is a bad thing, and that fairness is the most important part of any game. In addition, girls learn early that it's important for them to develop two social talents. Number one, being liked, and number two, being helpful. Subsequently, when they grow up, they aspire to be liked and helpful to the point of being indispensable. I want you to think about how this applies to you and the way you interact with your network marketing team or your customers if you don't have a team yet. Do you feel like you need to be liked to be a leader? Do you feel like people need to fall in love with you to buy your product? Think about that. Because when you have to get someone to love you to buy your product, that's really heavy. And I have good news for you. People don't have to fall in love with you to buy your product. You are not trying to influence them to love you. Well, you are right now only because you were socialized to be that way if you grew up in the United States and most other developing countries as well. But if you grew up in the United States, the model that you are currently acting from Most of us as females are trying to get everyone to like us. Now, some of you will refer to yourself as recovering people pleasers. That just means that you have an awareness of your people pleasing. But on a cellular level, your lower primitive brain is programmed to always people please. It comes from our caveman days when we had to sit around the fire to eat every night. And if we weren't liked by the tribe, they would literally sit so close that they wouldn't let you in and you would starve to death. There was no Uber Eats. There was no go to the grocery store and get your food. In fact, when I start feeling like I am getting pushed out of the of the circle of the tribe, I will literally go to my fridge and open the fridge doors and say, plenty of food to eat in the fridge. We can eat anytime we want. And then I close the fridge and walk away and go back and get to work again. You can try that exercise for yourself. It's a game changer. Anyway, so this idea of as a woman, you are socialized to do those two things. So when you're working with your team, when you're working with your customers, know that intuitively, subconsciously... You are most likely working from a model of, I need to get everyone to like me. Or if they like me, then I'll be able to lead them better. Or if they like me, then I'll get them to buy my product better or faster, right? And so what the good news is, is that that is not the model that is required. It's not even what works. That is all made up. It is socialization. And it's totally wrong. And you were just wrong about that. The best news is the model we want to get your team into. And the model we want to get your customers into is for the customers, you want them not thinking, I like her. I want to buy from her. You want them thinking, you want to influence their thinking to be thinking, maybe what she has could help me. Maybe what she has could finally help me lose the last 10 pounds. Maybe what she's selling me could change the way I feel. Same thing in regards to your team. Maybe what she's teaching me can help me get out of debt. Maybe what she's teaching me could help pay my rent this month. Maybe what she's teaching me could help us have an extra $1,000 So that my husband could stop working on Saturdays. That's the model you want to be influencing people to get into. Not, I need to get them to like me and love me so I can lead them, or I need to get them to fall in love with me so they'll buy my product. No, no. I have an example of what I was just reading to you aloud about how young girls are taught that they should always be modest and that showing off is a bad thing. I had a cousin years and years and years ago. This was right around the time. It was about two years after I hit the top of my network marketing company. And we were at a family barbecue. And this was a family member that I had sort of had a falling out of because when I hit the top of the company two years prior, she was upset that i had asked her if i could order on her account with my own money and so she stopped talking to me for 2 years and we sort of had this like grudge and so after 2 years of that i just decided i'm just going to i'm just going to let it go i'm just going to let it go and so this was the first event that we had all been to as a family it was april of 2019 we were literally just 2 weeks away from moving in to our dream house the one that we live in now and we had the best day. I said, hi, we talked like nothing had ever happened. It was so amazing. And I was like, we finally turned a corner and I just felt so good about it. And about, so after that day, we came home and I said to my husband, oh my gosh, I think things are finally better with them. Like, I'm so excited. And we, two weeks later, my daughter came into my office Literally where I'm recording this podcast right here for you now. And she said, Mom, I need to tell you something about what happened at the barbecue. And I said, Of course. You know, what's going on? And she said, Well, you know, Chloe came up to me. This was the daughter of one of the, one of the cousins. Chloe came up to me and said, You know, we all hate your mom, right? We all hate your mom. And Mackenzie said, What? And the girl said, yeah, we all hate her because she's such a bragger on Instagram. And Mackenzie said, oh, and the little girl said, yeah, I hate her. My mom hates her. Aunt so-and-so hates her. Uncle so-and-so hates her. Cousin so-and-so hates her. We all hate her. She's such a bragger. And I was devastated. Like in that moment, I was like, you know what? babe, like I held it together. I was like, you know what, babe, it's fine. Like not everyone's going to support us. Not everyone's going to understand that I market my success and I market my product to attract people to do this with me. Not any, not everyone's going to understand that. It's okay. And um, and I said, you know, look for the people that cheer for you. Those are your people. Those are the people you want to spend time with. And I gave her a kiss and she, she said, okay. And it's, been, it's never been an issue ever again. And I went into my closet and cried for three hours. I was so devastated. I blocked all of them on social media, except for one where I feel like the Holy Ghost was like, unblock this one. And I found out a year later why, and I know it was a total God thing. So one of them still follows me. And it was such a hard time in my life. Although (laughs) it seems like so easy compared to what I've been through the last year. but. I thought it was so interesting and such a good example of how women are socialized to not be braggers, to be modest. It says, this is reinforced by biology. As we've learned in female brains, the limbic system, the emotional brain, tends to be larger than in men's. The larger limbic system makes it easier and subsequently more important for women to bond with other people throughout their lives. On the other hand... On the other side of the playground, things are different. When little boys grow old enough to play with others, they're socialized within the context of games that are competitive and have winners and losers. Through these games and sports, young boys learn about life's rules, which is why grown men are so comfortable using sports analogies to describe them later in life. Boys strive to achieve status within their groups by dominating others, whether it's through their size and physical prowess. It's always better to be the biggest and strongest boy, right? Their ability to issue commands or their skill of a particular sport or subject. Adults often view little boys who dominate others as having leadership qualities. Instead of being viewed as bossy as the girls are, these boys are considered natural leaders. Look at how the other kids follow him around, adults will say admiringly. He's a natural leader. Right from the start, boys are taught that independence is a virtue and their self-esteem is fueled by achieving things without help from anyone else. Being independent, competitive, and dominant are qualities that are encouraged in boys. If you were a bossy girl, if you are bossy now, if you were a man, you'd be encouraged for it, which is fine. But what I want to show you today is that it's all made up. It's just socialization. So what rules do you want to keep for yourself? And what do you want to think about yourself? Like, let's put bossy in the circumstance line of the model. You're bossy. What do you want to think about that? I'm a leader or I shouldn't be. I promise, I guarantee that so many of you, when you think about I'm bossy, your thought is I shouldn't be. It's wrong to be. And then you feel shame or disappointment or insecurity. And from there... You essentially block yourself from being who you really are, which is an incredible leader. If you are bossy, it shows you have leadership qualities. And if you were a man in our society, you would be revered for it. But because you were born as a female and because you were socialized in this way, you are treated differently. But guess what? What anyone says to you is just your circumstance. You get to decide what you want to think about it. You get to decide what you want to think about yourself. And that ultimately is going to create a feeling within you that you're going to take action from. And that's where you're going to get your results from. So fast forward to adulthood. Women want to achieve success in life just as much as men do, but their definition of success is different. Achievement is something more internal and not necessarily tied to external factors such as beating someone else. That's why hyper-competitive messages in advertising, like the ones I used to post where my cousin called me such a bragger on Instagram, right? They came off as hyper-competitive. She's a female. She doesn't like that. So she rejected it. And what I didn't know then that I know now is that most women were turned off by that. So I've changed the way I put that message out into the world. I don't put it out in a hyper-competitive way anymore. It's a turnoff for most women. And I'm trying to attract women to do this business with me. I want to sell my product to women. So I want to be aware that if women think that a hyper-competitive message, like my company's better than hers, is going to turn them off then how would I approach saying the same thing in a way that's not hyper-competitive? The answer to that is your next Facebook post. It's your next Instagram reel. I promise you. Achievement, wait, that's why hyper-competitive messages in advertising typically don't resonate with women. When women compete, they compete against themselves. They are their own worst critics. And because they're socialized to be helpful growing up, the thought of beating others through their own victories can make them feel a little uncomfortable. It's why you don't want to shout yourself out on your team pages or on your own Facebook or on your company like leader pages. It's because of the way you're socialized. It's because it, you think it's better if someone else does it for you because you have this manual for yourself that you shouldn't beat others, that you shouldn't brag about yourself or boast about yourself. You should say modest. You should say humble, right? And it's all made up and you can totally keep it if you want to. And I'm not even saying that it's bad if you do or you don't. You just get to decide. I just want to show you today, it's all up for grabs. It's whatever you want it to be. Because As a female in America, after all, if you're beating someone, you're not being very helpful, are you? Right? That's why women find success much sweeter if it also benefits the people they care about. This is why we gravitate toward MLMs, you guys. It's why we love them so much. Their view of achievement is not only internal, but also inclusive. With their larger emotional center in the brain, creating successful relationships is an important priority. There are a lot of corny stereotypes out there about women and relationships, but the fact is that the world is built on relationships and women are the undisputed champs at creating them. Women consider building relationships to be the most valuable of life's achievement. I hope that what you take from this episode is that you get to decide how you want to think about every quality within you. And depending on what you decide to think, you're going to release chemicals and hormones in your brain that are going to vibrate through your body and they're going to cause something called a feeling or an emotion. And that emotion is where you're going to take action from. If you're feeling shame around your network marketing business, if you're feeling shame around your social selling, if you're feeling shame around your product, why is it? Ask yourself why. Your brain might say, I don't know. And I want you to say to it, let's take a guess. Why are we feeling shame around our business? Let your brain answer that question. It's going to be a thought. That's your T line, your thought. Then you have a feeling possibly shame, embarrassment. And from that emotion, that's where you're taking all your action. And your T-line, your thought, is always going to be a direct reflection of your result. So if you're thinking, I shouldn't brag, or I shouldn't be bossy, or I shouldn't be doing network marketing, or it's not a real job or I'm ashamed of what I do, or my parents don't want me to do it, then in your result line, I promise you what's going to show up is, I don't fulfill my potential or something of that. I don't lead out. I don't share my gifts and talents with the world. It's worth taking the time to ask yourself these questions. It's worth taking the time to be curious about what you want to believe It's worth taking the time to realize that everything is up for grabs and only you get to decide if it's a good or bad thing that you're bossy. Have a great week. Bye now. Who is your life coach? If you don't have one, I would be so honored to be your coach. I've created a virtual program called Beyond the Rank that I want to invite you to join me in we can address challenges, we can work on goals, and we can do it in so many different ways. We have group coaching, individual private coaching, and hundreds of hours of online courses and content that I'm creating just for you. When you're ready to take what you're learning on the podcast to the 10X level, then come check out Beyond the Rank at emilygibsoncoaching.com.